0: Hey, welcome to number two. Um, This podcast, uh, as I said before, is brand new for me, so we'll see how this goes. One thing I wanted to do today, though, was um, I didn't mention it in the first one, but with my uh, 40-some years with epilepsy after surgery in 2012, I would have to say... I don't know, six months, maybe eight months after surgery, I started writing down stuff, and that was actually really good for me to get my brain back doing things. You know what's kind of funny is that when I got home from the surgery, which would be in April of 2012, and I'd be watching TV, and my brain could not run that fast as far as watching what is going on, as far as the picture and the sound uh, when they would speak or whatever was not on time. Uh, it was because my brain was not uh, able to do it, it was pretty confused. As you might. And then the other thing is that if you've ever watched a very old film and you had the flickering on the screen, uh, old black and white films, well, that's what it looked like watching digital TV. I had flashes on the screen all over different areas um, periodically. And it was because I kind of figured it out later. I my brain was getting tired. And so if it was in the evening around eight o'clock or so, my brain was telling me, we can't keep up with the picture on the screen and the sound that you're supposed to hear, Sonny. So I think it's time for us to go to bed. So that happened quite a bit. But I'll go further into that in the future. Uh, One thing I wanted to do today was I wrote a small book about my experience with epilepsy and also uh, depression. And like I said, after the six to eight months, somewhere in there, I started jotting down different, uh, different things that I remember from a childhood. Teenage years, young adult, and then during the midlife, in which I'm still in midlife. I'm 51 now, so we'll see how far I stick around. But it, uh, it was pretty neat writing that stuff down. And then I had a couple people, uh, after a couple years of those notes and everything, got together with a couple people they helped me organize it together, and then I had a uh, very talented person finish it off very soon. I will have it uh, ready for you to download. If I can generate enough uh you know with that book, then I would you know put that money towards getting uh, printed copies of it and be able to sell those so that's in the future, but it is going to be available and it would be wonderful if you would have some interest to purchase it, read it, and then send me your thoughts about it. And I've already had a lot of people read it and they they really have loved it. I, I think it helps helps certain people quite often to read something like that. Okay, so what I will do is I will, uh, again, I will uh, read the first chapter. I might, being I'm reading it to you, I might say it a little different, but it's it's the same darn story. So if you get the book, it might be worded a little different. But for the most part, it's the same. Okay, I was born in 1967. It's in Coon Rapids, a suburban town in Minnesota located on the Mississippi River just 20 miles north of the Twin Cities. I arrived two months earlier than expected and weighing only four and a half pounds. The doctor kept me in the hospital for two weeks to gain weight before my parents were allowed to bring me home. Aside from that premature arrival, the first 14 months were relatively uneventful. But this would change Come Christmas 1968, my father, Danny, went out enjoying a cup of coffee with his close friend, Ray, the drummer of his rock and roll band. Meanwhile, I was at home with my mother, whose real name is Lynette, but everyone calls her Nettie. My mother said she had spent the earlier part of the day tending to me as I was sick with fever. Although, she says my temperature was high and we do not know exactly how high because she did not have a thermometer. Being only a teenager, teenager parents I should say, they had to get the single income from my 19-year-old father. My mom was still in high school and my mother did her very best to cool me down and gently press my head and face with cold, wet washcloths. Finally, feeling both exhausted and satisfied that she reduced my temperature, she rocked me to sleep and laid me down in my crib. Two hours later, she awoke to the sound of the Christmas tree toppling over. This is strange, she thought. I had begun walking at the age of six months, so she had leaned the tree up against the wall of the trailer, was a trailer house, in order to prevent getting into trouble with it. As she walked past the crib to check on that tree, she discovered what had to be a new mother's nightmare. Her baby, a helpless little boy, body lying in the crib trembling, and his eyes rolling back to the back of his head, It turned out I was having convulsions, and she had heard the shaking of the crib. Now, being I was shaking the crib so much, the vibration made the tree fall over. And my mom always said that the sound of that tree saved my life. Had I laid there convulsing much longer, it could have caused irreversible brain damage or could have killed me. Making matters worse, it was close to midnight and my parents did not have a telephone back then and my father had their only vehicle. My mother was stuck in the trailer park with me until my father came home, which was, thank goodness, just a few minutes after. With my tiny body still twitching in her arms, my mother waited to the, at the door until my father walked in. She told him that they needed to rush me to the hospital as quickly as possible. By this time, my poor 17-year-old mother was panicking. Upon arrival at the hospital, I was still twitching in my mother ar- mother's arms, and she told the doctors and nurses she had found me convulsing I have had a fever all day and they immediately took me from my mother's arms and rushed me into the separate room. The nurse told my mother she was just going to check my temperature. Then shortly thereafter, the nurse returned to inform my mother that they had given me a shot of uh, phenobarbital, a strong barbiturate commonly used to treat seizures and decades earlier, anxiety. My young, exhausted mother felt scared, alone, and confused. She was upset that the doctors did not give her the opportunity to investigate or altogether refuse the drug on my behalf. As if they weren't bad enough, the staff informed my mother that after giving me the injection, my little body went limp and the entire side of my body was no longer responsive. The doctors report that they were not sure whether the paralysis was a side effect of the phenobarbital or of the needle hitting a nerve, or if it was a result of the convulsive itself. My mother was told years later by our trusted family physician that because my little body was still twitching, It was impossible to hold me still. It was very possible that the needle hit a nerve. For that reason, he says uh, he would never have injected a convulsive baby the way they did. Later that evening, they performed a spinal tap, also known as a lumbar puncture, which is commonly done in cases where convulsions coexist with a high fever. This is to rule out any bacterial meningitis and my results came back negative. The doctors decided to admit me and keep me under observation for a week. My parents were heartbroken to go home without me for a second time since my premature birth. Four months later, I would have had my first official seizure, but because my mother was not there, not much was being done about that. It was a hot summer day, and I was at my grandmother's house. She told my mother that I had a strange expression on my face, and that I appeared to be shivering. But when she asked me if I was cold, I did not respond until a few minutes later. In my mom's words, this was the beginning of everything. Okay, that was the first chapter. Kind of shows where it starts. And the second chapter is the 1970s. And I'll be talking about uh, my age of three years old. And uh, maybe periodically in the future here, I'll read a chapter further into the book and kind of... You know, one here, one there, but it'd be great if people will just purchase it, read the whole thing and and let me know your thoughts. You know one thing that I noticed, uh, or I should say, one thing that was noticed was when I was in elementary school, you know, my teachers would uh, see uh, some type of an effect. Uh, when it came to me looking a direction that made no sense. I could be looking at the wall with nothing on it as she's trying to, you know, we'd sit in the big circle in kindergarten. and we'd be saying our ABCs and all that kind of thing. And I would just be staring at the wall. And I don't think back in 1973, um that it was very well known uh, as far as epilepsy it was it's still not even talked about enough i'll go into that subject some other time but she did after a few times mention it to my mother and again that's kind of like about the time we went to see the the doctor And I did end up on my first medication, and that would be in 1974. And I have medical records and everything from back then. Uh, It's very fascinating to read that. Um, The equipment they used to do tests and how their capabilities were so limited back then, as compared to now, of course. My childhood, there was a lot of uh, embarrassment later. Your kids, you know, I should say your friends. My friends were actually great friends. Our families knew each other back then. We would be out playing all day. There was a family down the road from me that pretty much... We did everything together, and we'd be out playing baseball, and and maybe going swimming in the outside uh, the the city pool, um, and playing in the park all the time. Parents were never with us. We we'd leave early in the morning, just go play all day. Once in a while, we'd stop back home for lunch or something, but then we'd be gone again until the, well, Mom usually, you know, would have dinner done at 5 o'clock, and same with my friends. So either I'd eat over at their place or they'd come over to mine and we'd eat, whatever was closest. And then we'd be out after dinner and come in sometime after dark. Uh, that neighborhood I lived in, and it's just the way it was back then through the 70s, you really didn't have to worry about anything the way you do now. It was, that's what I could call, I'd sound like an old guy, but those were the good times where you still didn't have to watch out for yourself nearly as much as now. So those close friends would always look after me if at school or something I was getting teased or something about a seizure I had earlier that day or at that moment, boy, my friends, I didn't have to worry. They would make it very clear to that other kid that uh, it's a (laughs) a bad idea to give Sonny, you know, to tease Sonny. So that was pretty neat. And then as I got older and I went into junior high, is what they called it back then. That would have been 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. That was a time period where you start meeting uh, new friends that were coming in from other elementary schools. And uh, it was more, I had more of a chance of being embarrassed and stuff because now you have, you know, probably four times the amount of kids at school than your little elementary school. So the embarrassment happened a lot more often. And in high school, um, usually about that time period, people started kind of grow up a little bit. The embarrassment was still there for me, but you didn't get teased about it anymore, not very much. And if they did, they'd pay a price. The epilepsy was worse by then. Um, I had been on quite a few medications. And and so when I couldn't get my license, all my friends, they uh, had their license. They were going out on dates. They were, you know, building their hot rod cars. The guys were. And it was just that time period where that type of stuff usually happens, but it didn't happen with me. And I think that might've been like the beginning of, I don't know if you want to call it depression at that, at that time yet, but it really was devastating. So anyway, that was the first chapter you know i with my speech my reading's not perfect but they are written very well so please look into it um like i said i will get it on my site and also email me and let me know if you don't see it or it's not available yet you could download it from me we could do something but either way I'm going to break away at this uh, time and I will come back for number three.